Welcome back, rugby fans, to another great episode here on the Rugby Rant Podcast Show. My name is Ty Braga, your host for today's activities, alongside the familiar faces of Rob the Hammer Hammerschmidt, and beside him, as always, is Scott the Big Guy Ferrara. But more importantly, who's going to tackle them here today in this rugby debate show? We introduce our guest raptor, John Cullen, the former Utah Warrior, and of course, for USA Eagles. So it's an incredible honor to have you here, John. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, looking forward to some ranting and letting Rob and Scott know how incredibly wrong or maybe right that they are. <laughs> I like the confidence. Like, <laughs> I would have heard of you, but maybe it's be wrong. <laughs> now that it's been introduced, I'm totally and utterly flummoxed, and, and I don't know how I'm going to recover. Let's take an opportunity not only to be able to remind everybody how it works, but how it all happens with the help of our partners at Shop MLR. Of course, you can find all the gear you need as a Major League Rugby fan. I today, of course, am sporting the uh, traditional red colors of the Utah Warriors in honor of our guest. Uh, Rob, what are you sporting there? Nola Gold, of course. It's like a second yeah. skin to you. Does it come off only when you shower? <laughs> no, it, it's it's now uh, permanently tattooed on my body. Uh, unless, of course, there's a, another team that pays my uh, paychecks, and then I'll totally be willing to switch over. I like it. I like it. I've always said our loyalty can be bought. <laughs> and, of course, Scott, you know, always the, the eternal Rooney fan wearing a Rooney shirt and a Gilgroni orange to, be, to match. But make sure that you go and check out all the gear online through, of course, the rugbyshop.com, poweringshopmlr.com to get you all your fan gear that you need and hurry because the season is almost done. But let's draw our attention to why we are here. And, of course, as you know, this is the Rugby Debate Show where our guests will battle against one another for top honors. And how do they do that? Well, they're given the opportunity to rant, and they each are given two minutes to be able to talk about the topic at hand. Should they go over their allotted time, they will receive what we like to call the cheese. And that means that they get their first warning, so should they continue to infringe, will be promoted to the red and may be out of a round on the next rant. So, John, you like red, don't you? Yeah, <laughs> I've never been red carded. Never gotten a red card. Never, never say never, man. Today is your day, maybe. So let's uh, let's again uh, remind everybody that each of these guys are going to be ranting. What are we talking about here today? Well, we're going to dissect the matchups that happened this past weekend between Wales and Canada, and of course the USA Eagles versus England in the international test, the first of which taking place this past weekend. And uh, when we do so, we're going to first start off by talking about Wales versus Canada on July 3rd that left the scoreline at 68 to 12, of course, in favor of the hosts, Wales. And to be able to take us into the rant, we hand it over to John Cullen to tell us what he thinks about what worked and what didn't. Um, yeah, so what worked? So for Wales, everything so that's the <laughs> brand there. Um, I, and obviously, you know, we're going for the perspective of our brethren to the north and the Canadians. The, the most positive, I guess you could say, what worked was 
they played their game kind of, and they they capitalized on another team's mistakes, which is by far in the most part kind of been that Canadian style of playing, right? Like a bend but don't break. Unfortunately, this weekend there was a lot of breaking. But the bend but don't break, kind of give, 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 suck you in, suck you in, make you get a little too confident. Mistake happens, quick turnaround, go. And and they're, they've actually been very successful at that, you know, to the highest level that they can achieve it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that's kind of what worked if we're going off what score tries. I think there was minor moments in attack where you saw some things get put together, but it was never finished. And, you know, that's always a, a hard one. Not a lot of – a ton of positives to find in that set piece, but – I think we kind of just saw what worked was they capitalized on the mistakes when they were there. Unfortunately, Wales didn't give them a lot of mistakes to capitalize on. They played a pretty clean game with all things considered, even them being a newer or different squad, not quite to the level of England, but they were, they were vetting in some new guys. Um, what didn't work, you could paint a broad brush that there is a lot of stuff, but they just don't take enough risk. Um, and that may be an easy answer when you're talking about a Canadian side, but we've had our things with the U.S. year year after year after year after year. Why aren't we fixing? Why aren't we fixing? And we kind of see them getting fixed. With Canadians, you're not quite seeing that. It's the same stuff. They're not taking big risks. They're not risking things on attack. They're playing pretty safe. They're kind of static. Um, if they're inside their half, you know they're clear. Like, there's no kind of change-up. If you're playing against them, they're just kind of there. So they've got to take more risk. I hear what you're saying. And you took a risk by going over your time. And here comes the yellow. <laughs> <laughs> Baby. But, you know, let's, let's dissect some of that. So we rewind. And, you know, one of the things you talk about is those risks. A little bit of a, more of a 2D style rugby than the three-dimensional that we, we need to be able to look at, right? So predictability from, from Canada let them down. Um, although it's just overwhelming pressure from, from, from a Welsh side that, although is weakened, as you pointed out, is still a very, very good side. The depth that Wales and England alike will have is incredible because of the, the programs that are feeding them, you know, right from grassroots rugby to the elite. Um, they've got talent in, in bundles, right? Now, it's obviously it's evident obviously you see a scoreline like 68 to 12. Um, so it's interesting, but what are some of the things that really I felt didn't work? And I looked to the stats to be able to identify these key points. Canada had 27 missed tackles. No matter who you're playing, that's going to hurt you, right? Uh, you're looking at zero offloads to the 11 offloads that Wales had. Now, offload is in contact is how they record it so that everybody can recognize that. So I don't know how you get to zero. Uh, you know, but that's what they recorded. Then 17 to 15 penalties conceded. So they conceded 17 Canada to the 15 uh, conceded by Wales. So that might also kind of bear truth to the, to the point that you brought up there, John, is that, yes, it was a younger team. It was a more experienced uh, 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 team in that regard together. So maybe that's why they both had what can be considered as higher uh, penalty counts. But I don't want to dive too much further into it because I'm pretty sure that Scott Ferrari has more to be able to share. So let's hand it over to the big guy. Let's get hot, baby. So what worked for Canada, Rugby Canada? Uh, 
my boy Quinn Navati and Ben Lesage worked. Um, I think this is going to be their center duo going forward uh, for years to come. Um, they both played uh, really good games considering, you know, you talk about those offload stats and things like that, but, you know, these guys, what, they practiced together uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and then played on Saturday. So, I mean, how much of how much continuity are you going to get when they're not on the same team professionally? Um, and that's right. something I'll go in in the, in the next round too. Um, I think uh, what what else what also worked was their counterattack, and you see that a lot on the arrow side. And you you saw these arrows guys like uh, Johnny said um, commit to when when uh, Wells Wales made a mistake, they pounced on it, but. Their defense was just so bad, but I really have to chalk that up to continuity of of how you how are you supposed to make the, the right calls and cover the right gaps when you don't have the practice in that 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 right. you normally do. And I mean, Quinn Nawadi being the perfect example. You know, he had some missed tackles that I you know playing with Rooney uh, right now. If if he played with Rooney against the Free Jacks this week, he wouldn't have missed those tackles. But because you know, the calls are, are there and the continuity is there and he knows what the backline players he's playing with are going to do. Um, you know, it's, 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 we talked about it, I think a couple months ago when we were talking about, you know, the selection of these sides, um, Canada really just did poorly on their set pieces again. Um, I don't think they've effectively fixed that again. Have they had the time? I'm not really sure. Um, but I want to talk about more positive. Um, I do think keeping, I do think keeping, uh, um, Keeping the offense moving, I think they were a little they, – they, instead of doing those offloads, they had those next phases because they felt comfortable doing that. Um, you know, it's it's rough. They had, they had a rough go of it. But, again, I'm, I'm looking forward to what they're going to be doing next week now that they have another week of practice under their belt. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And talking about next yeah. week, we're going to jump into that just a moment. But let's hand it over to Rob first to hear what he has to, to say. So we'll get into the U.S. a little bit later. Uh, but like the United States, they put up the points – on their opponent first. So, you know, the United States at that candidate, that that's about where uh, the similarity stopped. Right. <laughs> um, and, and, and I, I thought that uh, Ross brand, that great snipe that he had from a penalty, he did a quick, uh, quick tap uh, kind of snipe through, found a gap and they put one down, got five on the board real quick and kind of stunned whales a little bit. I thought that was pretty sharp. It speaks to what John said about taking a little bit of a risk there and they caught their opponents napping, which is cool. Um, but can and Canada, quite frankly, for the first 20 minutes, 23 minutes, looked pretty strong. I mean, it was old team, only 14-5. So you, you would have thought if they could have got back in it with maybe putting a penalty on there or perhaps another try and gotten within, you know, uh, four to six points, um, they, they really could have hung in there a bit longer. Uh, but I tell you what, they just, it, it, the wheels fell off the cart pretty quick. And one of the things that didn't work for them was that two tries were taken away uh, from Canada through TMO. And, and that's always something that deflates you a little bit, especially as an underdog, kind of takes the wind out of their sails. I didn't think their defense was all that well organized either. Um, Wales Sea just seemed to find gaps on a soft shoulder um, or, or just found an absolute gap. Um, and they and they exploited those uh, again. Twenty seven missed tackles. I think that speaks again to the soft shoulders and those gaps that Wales were able to find. Their set piece struggled quite a bit. Um, and you know, again, a team like the United States and Canada can't afford that. They've got to have a strong platform which to mount an attack. And if those are failing, that's tough. You know, here's the thing: I would have hoped that with twelve arrows providing service, they would have had that continuity that Scott spoke about. 
uh, but it just didn't seem to happen. We hope that they can develop it between now and next week. Right. Well, the attitude, and it's going to be much for the same for the U.S., has to be win or learn, because nobody had the expectation of them to go there and beat Wales. And likewise, and again, we'll get to this uh, in the latter part of this debate, for the same for the U.S. and, and England, right? But these are opportunities you have to be presented with to be able to take yourself to those higher levels. And even though it ended up 68-12, we have to ask, what did they learn, right? So for me, one of the positives that I think we can take, we away, can take away is looking at the scrums for, for Canada. In fact, they had five scrums and they won every one of them. So it's 100% record. Uh, in contrast, uh, the uh, Welsh side had four, also 100% record. So the scrums were pretty solid, even though, even though they were under pressure, they still retained the ball. Right, which is another important point to recognize, um, and and I think uh, Cooper quote, uh, Coates uh, had an amazing run for his try on the inside. Uh, it was about one of the very you know few times that I had actually seen somebody running a line on the inside, uh, changing that angle of attack that uh, he broke through and made you know made the try uh, to be able to I think take it to 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 uh, to ten, and then of course the conversion came shortly after, and that was around about the sixty eighth minute. But let's open it up to uh, to the floor here, guys. One of the things that a lot of people had spoken about online that they, when they looked at this Welsh uh, Canada game, is that people had said that they felt Wales actually took their foot off the gas in that last twenty. Um, what is your thoughts, John? I mean, I'm sure they probably did, I, and that can look that can look a certain way, like if they're kicking a little bit more or kind of letting some things slide, you also have subs coming in with already a young team subbing in even younger and newer. Some of those mistakes are going to be there. And I mean, let's I'll call a spade a spade as a player. If you're coming into a game with a 50 point lead, it's usually kind of like, well, okay, I'll just get into it. Like if a mistake happens, it happens. Now you're going to pay for, you're going to pay the price for that on Monday. Um, probably right now, whenever they're sitting watching that film, right. probably, yeah, I probably shouldn't have came in with that mindset. But if we're talking players and human beings, that's you're very susceptible to that. I mean, you're thinking to yourself, I got an Argentina game next weekend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, all right, let's get in and get a couple tackles, a couple good stats. Like, oh, they broke right. I got, I got the international cap. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Now I'm ready for Argentina. <laughs> I got the cool picture. I got the little hat. I'm good. Right. We're good, right? I mean, that's what it was about, right? In fact, it's kind of comical because at the end, they gave away what was quite of a meager, slight, like, trophy. I don't know if you guys saw it. Uh, and I can't even tell you who it was that had to be able to take it in his hand to be able to take do the photo op. But he was kind of like turned around. He's like, anybody want it? No, nobody stepped up to be able to do the big photo op. You know, was, you want it? No, you no. <laughs> so uh, perhaps on one part, it wasn't taken as seriously as it would have been if it was Argentina, which they have coming up next week. But as I said before, it's a win or learn experience for a team like Canada, who I think at the moment is sitting at 23rd in the world. Um, and, and for them, you know, you have, you hope to be able to see sparks of brilliance that you can build upon. And on that thought, I want to be able to ask you guys as a rating on performance here, you know, one to 10, one being the worst, 10 being the best. What do you give that scorecard for uh, Canada, John? A three. A three? All right. Scott? I'd give it a five based on 
the lack of preparation they get. Okay, so you give them the benefit of the doubt in that regard. Oh, the the only reason I'm so unforgiving is because of Rob's point of having the 12 arrows plus two or three Atlanta players, which basically means you're around each other all the time. So you've got 12 or 14 guys who have spent a whole year together. I'm going to contradict myself when we talk about the Eagles, but like – that's what I expected from Canada. I expected the continuity to be so much better with the less players. So what you're saying is you could argue, and this will probably be a point to, to Nola that, that John gets the assist on, but what you could argue is that with 12 uh, Arrows players and, and a pair of, of uh, Atlanta players, that they've actually been in camp all season. <laughs> I was like, well, con- I was like you have 12 guys that play a whole season together there's your continuity I was like right right no actually I think that's a pretty funny point so when we talk about continuity I mean you've had 16 weeks to prepare <laughs> I mean well, I know it's not as simple as that but but right. well, elaborate I, I, further I, I would I would agree with Scott I, I would say a five and and I know I like John I agree with you the continuity to expect more from it given the circumstances but I think we also have to put the arrows in a bit different context because remember they've been down in Atlanta for the better part of 18 weeks and then they're flying over on short rest with by the way no mental preparation early in the season knowing hey I'm gonna get called up at you know the 16th week of the MLR season, uh, I've got to prepare myself for that process. And they go over, you know, four or five days before your sleep patterns off, you're six hours ahead. You're actually playing a game at, you know, I, I, I know the Eagles played at 8 a.m. And I don't know what time Canada played at. Was it about the same time? It was pretty early. Yeah, it was pretty early. Yeah. And your body just has difficulty adjusting. And for that, I'd, I'd give them a little bit of, I, I'd be a bit more forgiving uh, than perhaps John would. Okay, so the scores are three, five, and five. John looks like he wants to change his score, though. No, no, those are those are fair points when you take all that in. But there is some some to it where uh, it's the side of both swords, right? Like there is all those things, and I, I fully appreciate it. But I'm like, you also are putting on your your nation's uniform. Right. You've got guys that you've been with for months and years. There's guys on that team that have played together for years. I'm like, you got to have a little bit more. I I just expected more of the continuity through them within, like, okay, they got to find some little tweaks right. here to add to their attack. Where this one was Especially because you've got pairings. Tired, you know? Right. I get you. So, gentlemen, now that we've taken the opportunity to be able to share the Wales versus Canada thoughts and the score is uh, disappointing, not only in the score, final scoreline, but also from our ranters who have given it a three, five and five. Let's take an opportunity to take a short break here as we uh, take a chance to hear from one of our sponsors. And we'll be back in just a moment to be able to share our thoughts on the USA versus England matchup. Hey, Rugby Rant fans, if you're like all of us, we all need a little something to help us get through the day, whether we're having a tough day or whether we're having one of those days where we just need a little pep on our step. And Canna Brands can be one of those brands that can help you get through your day, whatever it might be. For me, I like to focus and energize. Uh, eight drops under the tongue. It's THC-free, a CBD oil. And what I notice is it's really helped me focus if I had a long drive ahead of me or I really want to be energized for work. And, and it doesn't require the calories of, you know, 
coffee or, or a Coca-Cola or something like that. Uh, so low in calories, it refreshes, revitalizes, and get me ready to attack the day. They have several other products that are worth trying too. Uh, one of them is a, a, a sleep product that'll help you eight, eight squirts uh, in the in, uh, on the mouth, and you're ready to put yourself to sleep like a baby for the rest of the night. So go out and try the Canna brands. Uh, we have a special going on, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Rant 25, is that correct, Ty? Yeah, absolutely. And because it's 25% off any item that you choose for yourself, and that includes not just any single item, that's whatever's going to be in your basket, right? 25% off anything over $49 will get you free shipping as well. Of course, anywhere in the continental US, Um, but it is only available for the first 25 people. So that's that rant 25 and why they chose that 25. The one that I found myself most interested in is the, uh, the fresh one. Uh, again, you know, revitalizes and give you a little pep in your day, uh, a little refresher, so to speak. Um, but yeah, I mean, go check it out. It's cannybrands.com. The company itself is uh, joined us on board. It's already enjoyed by a lot of the uh, the uh, athletes across the nation, a variety of different sports, including some players at the Free Jacks, uh, which will, of course, be something that they'll be talking about in uh, in in some weeks to come. But thanks for sharing that uh, there, uh, Rob. And, of course, we'll uh, let everybody know how it all works for us and which ones we come to love most. Uh, So let's take the opportunity to be able to dive into the conversation about rugby. More specifically, it's going to be our recap and analysis with the uh, England versus USA matchup, which, of course, was July 4th. A little bit of irony there that it would be the independence uh, uh, matchup uh, you know, liberated from from the crown how many years ago? And uh, I, I, there must have been somebody in the background who picked the July 4th date and sniggled to themselves, America versus England, you know? Like, there's an inside joke there somewhere. <laughs> but what it didn't mean, well, England, you could argue, had a second, third, fourth, or fifth side that they fielded, given their commitments to the British and Irish Lions that are now traveling through South Africa. But regardless of what those points may be, I believe it's important to recognize both teams put the team they were most proud of out there on the field to battle each other out. And on July 4th, it ended up being 43 to 29 in favor of the hosts, England, on English soil. And we are here to debate once again what worked and what didn't work. And to be able to start us off on this round, we started. John Cullen, tell us what you think. All right. What worked um, for the Eagles was kind of what we talked about with Canada, was taking risks, finding confidence, um, and not resting back on their laurels and structure and taking some risks and finding gaps and playing, taking a maybe more unconventional route of attack. Um Defensively, I think it started working um, once they kind of realized that they can stand in front and play with these guys and play in the space and not give up silly one-off, you know, high ball moves that lead to breakaway 40-meter drive because um, it's, it's very hard to break down defense on a 40-meter breakaway. Um, what didn't work was starting the game off in our kind of weird conventional – play not to lose style that always kind of breaks my heart whenever I see it creeping into the red, white, and blue jersey. Um, Cause I think we have definitely advanced ourselves past that mindset. Um, 
if, you know, if you take it even back to the Scotland game, you know, there's we've had some tough matches in World Cups, but I think we've advanced past this whole let's play to keep it competitive instead of let's play teams to win. Um, so that wasn't working. And when whatever, whatever, the number one thing that worked is whoever gave the speech at halftime and whatever was said and whatever they came out of that locker room with at halftime, that's what worked. Um, and that was that was really exciting to see uh, guys taking it. A lot of guys taking advantage of their opportunities to put the uniform on for the first time. Um, that was really exciting to see. Obviously, I am a uh, ginormous fan of Utah Warriors players. So to see all of those guys, you know, I love Mikey. He had a couple of bad plays or whatever. But to see all of those guys take advantage of their opportunities um, and to play the way they did, um, very proud of the, the Warriors players. Yeah. And, you know, let's let's just talk about Mikey Taylor for a moment. Like, yes, a lot of criticism has been flying through social media, as it always does, right? Like, I mean, that's like probably what it was designed for. <laughs> but more to the point, they spoke about his defensive effort on the wing. First of all, that's not his, his, his normal position through MLR, so let's recognize that. But secondly, I want to be able to say he redeemed himself by that interesting cheeky tackle <laughs> at the end to be able to have that try score. That was just a comical moment there. But, that you know, was a pun, wasn't it? To... Say again? That was a pun, wasn't it? Cheeky yes. tackle. <laughs> it was indeed. My cheeky uh, pun. So, ass out was the, was the tackle um, when uh, England scored. I mean, talk about the grip, though. <laughs> Shirt and pants down. But I digress. More importantly, uh, let's hand it over to Scott Ferraro to hear what he has to say, because I'm sure, as always, it's a lot. <laughs> we're still cooking baby i think uh the the good uh what worked um you have uh capped eagles who scored i'm talking about cam dolan charge down i'm talking about my boy hanko running guys over using his his bull-like massive head to score a try um a question i a question i have uh the only question i had about gary gold selection was why wouldn't you start breakley savetta and hanko and all the utah guys in the first half just for continuity purposes, just to settle the team down. Um, I think, uh, especially in the pack, uh, we had all the, we had a lot of issues. That's something that didn't work. Our scrums were ineffective. Paul Mullen was getting turned. Um, it just, it just, it just wasn't working there. Um, and and at the breakdown, we were a little, uh, we were a little soft. I would say at the breakdown in the first half. Um, so I would say. It, it's it's hard to pick out what worked because it all worked in the second half in our favor as we got more aggressive. Right. Um, but I, I would I would chalk up the first half to almost what we were talking about with Rugby Canada. You know, four days worth of practice, uh, guys not playing together as much. Um, you know, and the other thing is I think we just came in a little soft in the first half, and I think that's okay to say. You can come and say you didn't play the the most physical game. Um, you should have been playing. Um, Paul Mullen not playing the bully around the breakdown. I felt was a lost opportunity to kind of set the tone early on. And then going into the second half, you had those big defensive stops. You had those big hits. You had those big runs that we were expecting from minute one. Um, so what worked bringing in some, uh, you know, Cam Dolan, bring in some solid guys that are vets. Uh, what didn't work our set piece and our continuity. Right. And when you talk about the set pieces, so everybody recognizes 
It is generally understood that if you can control the set piece and it's effective, you've already got a foot up on your opponent, right? So what are those set pieces? You're talking about your line-out opportunities. You're talking about your scrum time. Um, and these are crucial points. So let's talk about scrum time. you got Paul Mullen and you got David. Um, oh, man, why is it slipping me? And you, right? So two experienced front rowers that probably would have been the best pick. I myself would have chosen those that didn't, that were under pressure in, immediately. Um, and even though we were getting a lot of the ball back and there were wins in the scrum, they were just under such incredible pressure that it was collapsing. Um, and then ball mm-hmm. that came out to the back line was, was not quality, right? So you were, you were and, already on the back foot. So, and then and on just, top of that, just, sorry, this, I'm sorry. Yeah, I just want to drop this point on top of Rob because I think he might have something to say about it. And I think Johnny will have something to say about it afterwards. Why everybody's using saying the excuse, well, England had their seaside. When you when we get into the open period after Rob's two minutes, do you guys think we put the best product out there based upon who who we knew was injured, who we knew couldn't come to play? Like, I think that's a big question that we got to talk about after Rob's two minutes. So that'll be the third debate. <laughs> but so, so you identified scrum time, lineouts, all these things as being ineffective, at least in comparison to know what, we, what they can do. So I just wanted to summarize that there. And then also the other point that you tried to drive home, which I think is crucial, and I don't want to skip over it, is, is working with the right combinations. And, you know, this is something we discussed off camera even before this, um, that I think is 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 important to be able to bring up, and Scott, I sorry, Rob, I'm going to swing it over to you in a moment. But Scott has spoken about this, and and I believe it's true. If you have such little time to be able to prepare, why not use the existing combinations of players that have been side by side the entire MLR season leading up to it? Because while your strategy overall might not be the same, their intuition that they've built over the season and the continuity they have by playing together might shine through. And Gary Gold said this in an interview to us, you can prepare as much as you like. You can hit the drills every single day, but you have to trust your players. And I think that should have been the key in this matchup. That's my rant. <laughs> Hand it over to, uh, to Rob. So what are the positives? Number one, um, I, I looked at the stat board. I thought there were some really good stats to, to speak positively to the USA's efforts. Number one, possession, 54% to 64, uh, sorry, 46%. Um, meters gained, I mean, uh, 580 to 641 in England. So we were really close to them on meters gained. And then, of course, tackles made. England had 150, we had 84. And it shows you that they really had to play a lot of defense, which speaks to the fact that we're, getting, fact that we're getting more quality ball, which is which is a good thing. And we were it was 12 to 9 in favor of the United States for, for uh, penalties. So we had quality discipline. We didn't let the pressure in the first half get to us and undermine what we were trying to accomplish. Um, the other thing that I like to see is quality minutes by certain players, Gardy, Cruze, Hatting, Juana Schultz, Whiting. Um, and I think that speaks to why perhaps Gary didn't go with those combinations. Is he hunting to find the right guys that are going to carry us through to 2023, right? Was the goal here to get quality minutes for guys to get them experience and get the caps underneath their belt, right? Not so much let's, we need to win this game or make it as close as we can. That was icing on the cake. Um, so, you know, the vets did well for us. You talked about that. I really like Bryce Bryce Campbell's strike rate. I think he did phenomenal. Same thing with Whiting. Those two guys in the centers I thought played really well together. And, of course, the finishers were of quality. Brakely, Hanko, 
Uh, great stuff out of them. We won the second half. And, gentlemen, this is right. a positive. Remember what we said at, at, after uh, 2019 World Cup. We did not finish those games well. What did we do this time? We finished an 80-minute game, and we came up with a better score line in the second half than our opponents. you got to think that's a positive. We can yeah. build on the negatives in the scrum. That's something that can be fixed with time and an opportunity to be together uh, a little bit more. Um, just let's take this into context. It was a relatively inexperienced England side. Yeah, and and again, the, saying that it's a relatively inexperienced side, in fact, there I think it was 12 debutants for the English side, yes. but all of which have been playing consistently through the Prem and other leagues across uh, uh, Europe and, and at the highest level, well, some of the highest levels of what the game can offer. Um, so I wanted to also reverse and, and, and go back to some of the things that you said there, and I think it's very important to be able to recognize while I a moment ago had acknowledged that I believe in the short term, with that short window to prepare, going with combinations that already existed from their time in the MLR is a logical decision. I had the mindset saying that that could have given you an opportunity to potentially win this game. The bigger picture that you were talking about there, Rob, is probably more relevant, is that you're two years out from a Rugby World Cup, and yes, you can put those combinations together to get a better result today, but how is that serving the end goal two years from now where those combinations might no longer exist? So I, I, I think that that was a very good point to be able to bring up, and I concede my point to you because that made a lot more sense. Um, well, here's so, let me defend let me defend that though because what I'm saying is I'm not saying you don't find those combinations and get them the meaningful minutes. I'm just saying in the first half get everybody settled down with the continuity of these guys playing together. And that's, and like I said, I don't think it, I don't think the first 40 minutes of play, what, what, what I don't feel that was quality play by us. So if you had taken those guys, started them, settled down and then did what you want in the second half, I'm just saying, I think you, you kind of would have had a different focus on the team to do that. Right. Okay. Well, but I, mean, it, but it, I guess I would thing. say, I would say this in response and that is in September, what do you want your backline to look like, Gary Gold? Is it going to be combination based, or when you have three weeks of camp in order to gel and get that continuity between guys that don't normally play together? Are you going to be looking to put a Bryce Campbell and a Calvin Whiting out together with Cruze on the wing, even though they'd never play together? Because you think that's the best combination with time to develop. That's because yeah. they're your best personnel. And that's fine. But what are we talking? Hold on. But I want to go back to this, the, the, the point I need to make now, which is a point I talk about now every week with Rob. Now he's talking about September. We're talking about what happened during the Eagles. So let's talk about what happened. It's building towards September. It's precisely the point. You just, you just said that when they have – no, we're talking about right now what, what – what, it would have worked. So my point is he could wait till September to, to build that. He could wait till the second half of that particular match right. to start building right. that. So I'm just me, saying. Let me, let me phrase this differently. Let's, let's swing it over to John. So John, obviously your background as a player and now more recently moving into a coaching role with these two difference in opinions, what would you have chosen? I am actually going to agree with both of you for two different reasons. Rob, I, I fully agree with your perspective is that it's it's hard. No one knows what that coaching meeting when they're all sitting around the table like, 
all right, well, are we mapping out to beat England today on July 4th, which is a big ask, or are we mapping out to the autumn to the World Cup? I'm going to agree with you, Scott, only because I think if you're putting out your best side, this may be a whole different debate. Nate and Honko should have been starting if you're putting out your best side. Now, that creates continuity, that you, the point you're already making, but personal opinion, Nate and Honko should have been starting because they were the best players that could have been picked. Right. So let's let's okay, let's hold on that point just for a moment. When you said putting out your best side, now the starting fifteen isn't necessarily the best version because you're looking at a twenty-three man squad. You're planning for the entire game, so combinations, replacements, all of these things are being taken into consideration. But here lies my important question, gentlemen. Next week, Ireland. We're on the back of this result, do you, A, think that this is a winnable opportunity, and B, are you putting those combinations up front? Are you putting your best players out first, or are you saving them for that 50- to 60-minute mark as fresh legs? John, tell us what listen, you think. Ty, listen, Ty, as a, as a damn red, white, and blue, star-spangled, bleeding man that I am, every time we step on a field is a winnable game. Let's just make right. that very clear, all right? Okay, I like it, I like it. But... But yeah, anyway, guys, let's really talk about it. Um, the the number. I actually told my guys this that I'm coaching. The worst thing you can do is have success, and one of the worst things I think that will happen to the Eagles again. 100. percent This is a winnable game. The toughest thing is Iowa. Or, excuse me, Iowa, Ireland. Just <laughs> almost, almost took a smack in the mouth from Japan. Yeah. They couldn't smack in the mouth, but they came out on the right end of it. And they just watched this U.S. Eagles team play a 30-minute partial half of rugby that looked, you know, next to a world-class type of outfit. And they're not going to be walking into this game like, oh, it's the U.S., let's just put out a good side, we'll take care of business, yada, yada, yada. The Ireland's preparation is probably changing, and I think that has a little more context than just a good performance from a the U.S. A little more respect for the U.S. opponent. Yeah. Now, 100% dependent on selections, I think with what Ireland showed, some of those gaps, I think the U.S. can take advantage of that, and I think we're in for another tight, close game where, I have, where again, we have to complain about social media warriors – Playing social tens, telling the U.S. team how poor, how how crap they are, that they couldn't hit that gap and make the pass. But I think we're going to see a competitive game. Yeah. Well, do you want to offer a prediction? A score prediction? Difference. difference. <clears throat> What's the points difference? Points difference? Yeah. Keep you it simple. Maybe the fresh. I'm going to say it's nine points because it's more than a converted try. Okay. We're going to be a good. Heartbreaking. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, Scott, tell us what uh, your final thoughts are there about Ireland and everything in between. See, now I, w- I would think this is the match that you should have been doing your different uh, um, matchups on who you want to build out for September. 
You know, um, and my point of, of starting the Rooney guys and the Utah guys in the just the first half of England was, again, just to settle down a team who hasn't played together since 2019 and had four days of practice. And I'm not, I'm not saying those guys were the best guys in that selection at the time. And my previous comment was more to the fact that, you know, no T.T. Lamaselli, no Will Hooley, you know, no A.J. McGinty. You know, we had a bunch of guys who couldn't come out because of injuries, you know. So, you 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 know, when they were talking about, England having a seaside. Well, I felt this was kind of our B side anyway, with who we had and you know who we had injured. But uh, I mean, going into so, Ireland, I think that's, that's such a relative comment to make. Like, I it's just that's those guys are out. They're playing just as much rugby as every single of the guys on the U.S. team outside of five guys on the Eagles. Maybe had more caps than a lot of those guys, but. That's such a re- that's such a weird relative term with that. I'm like, those guys just played a prem season. I'm like, oh, they're so yeah. inexperienced. <laughs> yeah, well, that's <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like they're playing top flight rugby, and you talk about them being inexperienced. Yeah. But, that, but that's my point. I mean, if you look, we had what five guys getting their first cap. This so there was there was very similar. My point is the, the the it was similar. I felt the teams were sim- more similar than they were dis- they were than they were unlike. Yeah. I'll do a 100%. point. I'll do. A- I'll do a point spread of 20. The only reason being, I think Ireland's going to want to punch us in the mouth immediately. And uh, I don't know if we can, if we can hang the, again, the first 20 minutes are going to be crucial. Um, I think Ireland, they, they got scared with Japan. This is going to be their get right game, even though they don't have everybody. I know lions and all that shit, but this is going to be their get right game. And they're going to want to prove and, 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 and punch us in the mouth as soon as possible. Well, I can I, I think I will agree on the back of having such a close matchup against Japan. Now, Japan always has this air of like um, mystery about them. Will they? What team will rock up on that day? How will they perform? You know, they they've transitioned from underdog to like you know expected challenger. They're in this interesting zone. I'm going to come in and they're going to make a statement against against the U.S. that will contradict any any uh, doubts that may have been cast upon them last week. I think. And and one more thing at the time at the recording time of this show, I'm wearing my AG's tat. Will McGee is flying to the UK right now, so right, Will McGee. Like, I didn't know that because I thought he was still on the injured list. Apparently not, because everybody just announced it. Uh, Eagles overseas, the AG's oh, yeah. themselves. That's so right. at the time of this recording, Will McGee is going to Ireland. Yeah, and that's what we yeah. need. We needed that depth because unfortunately we lost two with Ginty um, McGinty. Sorry. Um, Oh, why am I blanking on the other one now? Okay. So let's swing it over to Rob um, for for your final thoughts there in regards to Ireland and, of course, the the matchup. I might have gone with some different combinations in the England game, like a a hatting to start off and then bringing in Dolan for his extra set of legs at eight, perhaps with Fana Schultz um, in in the Ireland game. And then, you know, uh, again, do a combination with Dolan or hatting. But um, I, I think Gary Gold's objective here is to get caps to guys who haven't gotten them to build that cap strength with his with his um, 30 man squad. Right. So I think I and I hope you're going to see an Andrew Gara get a get a cap this weekend. I'd like to see Bass like to see start off at nine. Um, and and of course, I'd like to to see um, our guy in Houston. Um Ah, why am I blanking on his name? Uh, Scrum half from Houston. Um, Boyer. Boyer, Boyer. Thank you, Nick Boyer. Boyer uh, get in there as well. But um, I think uh, Baskas showed he can deliver quick, lightning fast ball. Uh, you know, really good in the loose, which they needed. Uh, they could use that um, uh, it, it to energize their game. 
So uh, I'm going to go with a scoreline of 17, uh, just because I think Gary Gold's going to try to get a little bit different variety of players in this lineup just to develop his cap depth. Right. And I think that's probably going to be the case. But let's uh, again recap. So, John, you said a difference of nine. Scott, you said a difference of 20. And 17 was your call, Rub. Let's get a final score out of one to 10 on the performance for the USA Eagles against England. John. Oh, man. Well, if we're going off the that's the Scotland upset would be our 10 mark. I'll give it an eight. Yeah, eight. Okay, I think that's reasonable considering. Returning to a point that, that uh, Robert said is if you just look at the se- value of the second half, the U.S. actually beat uh, uh, England 26 to 17. Um, but on, t- but you know, the different layers underneath that is the spirit and the attitude they came back with, um, that boosts it to an eight of, I'm sure for you, because that has to be an important factor. Like Scott had said, you know, or, or was it a rub, you know, 2019, they were criticized for dropping their heads and just keeping it down. Uh, that didn't happen. <laughs> so Scott, what is your thoughts? I'm going. I'm going with a seven, and I think Gary Gold went in there at halftime, and he pulled a uh, Bobby Knight and threw some chairs and and got in their heads about it. Uh, yeah, that's a freaking embarrassing. Man. <laughs> okay, let's uh, hit the rub. Uh, you know, I was thinking eight, but then I had to qualify it. I think I'm going to go with a seven, and here's here's okay. why. Remember that there were three tries, I believe, that were taken off the board due to TMO. Now, that, that right. legitimately deserved to be taken off the board, right? And TMO is a part of international play. But those tries would be on the board if you had those 11 English players in the side. They wouldn't have made a mistake going into the end goal area and 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 not dotting it down. Right, I think that th- those those tries taken away were as a result of the inexperience of the players and the eight uncapped guys that were in the side. Right, and I think that's a fair point to be able to recognize that not every opportunity was successfully converted as it is in every other game, but it might have been more likely had they had uh, uh, the right players and the right combinations. And I suppose the same could be said for the U.S. in part, but it is at the end of the day, they had far less of those opportunities than England did. So I'm giving you two tries against an English team, I guarantee you that. A healthy age is giving you two little sneaky, slippery little tries. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true, true, but AJ's got to be healthy, right? I mean, yeah. and how often do we see an AJ not in the side because he's injured? And ultimately, that's why I think um, Gary's looking for depth at the 10. And I yeah, like, yeah. I like Kirk Hardy played. I was glad to see him get um, – I think he played all 80 minutes. So it was good to see. Yeah, I don't want to drag this piece on too much longer, but I do think it's also relevant, and maybe we should have – approached this a little bit earlier, but we had a conversation with Gary Gold a little while back, just before this, uh, uh, this, this test window. And I had actually asked him, you know, does he think that the MLR law variations might affect the gameplay at the highest level? And my answer is yes. I think the evidence was there. When you look at the pressure uh, in and around the, the scrum time, if you look at how the scrums performed against the pressure, um, these little factors um, that I think are relevant uh, we just don't know how relevant they are. And as time goes by and there are more opportunities to play at that highest level of the game with test match rugby, uh, perhaps it will become irrelevant. 
uh, perhaps it'll become more relevant. But uh, we'll continue to be able to explore that in further episodes where you can watch us live uh, every Monday night through the RPK interviews. That's our run parcel kick. We have another great rugby insider to be able to join us. It's on Monday evenings at 8 p.m. CST. You can see us online through our social media on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and uh, what else am I forgetting? Instagram, right? Right. Um, <laughs> Of course, under the handle at Rugby Rant Pod, or alternatively, continue to follow us on the Rugby Network for more rugby debate episodes. What we're going to do now is take a short break before we come back to be able to share our thoughts on the MLR game of the week. That was NOLA versus LA in the Coliseum. So we'll be back shortly after a few messages from our sponsors. Rugby Coffee was born out of two passions, providing ethically sourced coffee and promoting the growth and development of rugby. By combining these two passions, the folks at Rugby Coffee, you see an opportunity to bring people together, and together, we can make a difference. Rugby Coffee invests 10% of their profits into giving kids opportunities to play rugby in projects that help uplift communities. These endeavors have been transformational in many kids' lives and uplifted and empowered these communities. The boys of Rugby Coffee have launched three distinct brews, which are now available for pre-order. Jouet Jouet, Champions Cup and Crowd Favorite, each have their own unique style and flavor. Get your brew and support youth rugby. A simple vision can be transformational. Rugby as a sport can inspire communities, bring hope, and provide opportunity. Rugby coffee. It's not just a game. It's a way of life. Oh, hey, bro. Sorry, I didn't see it. Yeah, you, you uh, cut off there, so we only need you just to be able to do the last part, which is to announce winner give you your uh your window to be able to just say what you want to say you know awesome. um i was just reading rickard hatting um is being called into disciplinary hearing for uh a review on uh his tackle in his the tackle. air to oh yeah whoever oh, it was so for the next game no yeah. matter what it was marginal but anyway yeah, there goes that. That means Hanko's going to get the start now. <laughs> yeah, which I mean, at any position, I mean, really, yeah. at any position that we're doing all right with is loose forward. But I'm like, the dude has eyes on with hand contact. I know He's, I was he like, was totally committed, in my opinion. Definitely, yeah. even though I was like, as soon as the, when the ref called that, I was because I was like, there's so many times like I can understand where it's like the ref's like, I I have to call a penalty, like, call it, yeah, yeah. It. but he and then he didn't, and I was like. Sir, thank you so much. Oh, my God. Someone with a brain. Here's the interesting thing about this. See, we're talking about having potentially probably being out of the next test. And then we're yeah. saying in the next breath that we have Hanko Hermeses coming in. And we're going, okay. Yeah. Does that not speak to the depth that is in now developed as a result, yeah. well, as a result of the MLR? Oh, fine. yeah, for sure. And you mean as a result of South Africa? So he was, <laughs> he was here when he was 14, so we'll take yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, I'll be biased because I, I will say, for the most part, if you take like the last 15 years, if you're going numbers four through eight, we've, pre we've pretty much always been like good. Pretty strong. Pretty strong. You know, like they can, they can stand toes with just about anyone else, which is, but now it's the quality now of everyone. It's not just like, yeah. Oh, this dude's still big, strong, and fast, but needs this. Or this guy's real good at rugby, but not big, strong, and fast. Now it's the full circle of the player. 
which is yeah. awesome. I got so annoyed with somebody online talking about these social media warriors, as you call them. Um, so I, don't, I can't even remember how the comment went, but it was something along the lines of, oh, well, did, did, did USA really play or did they just get players from everywhere else to, and call them Americans? Something Go that fuck. Effect, right? He's been in this fucking country so, for like years. Go fuck yourself. Top five country that doesn't have that. Well, my, my perfect example was right now there's a debate going on. So I said, okay, and it was an English guy in our group talking about the English game, you know, contradicting everything good that the, the, the American fans were saying. But besides the point, so he's also talking about the British and Irish Lions. Oh, the British and Irish Lions are away. That's why it was a weak inside. You could argue it was their fifth team. So I said, okay, great. So Duan Funamava, who's playing for Scotland, now also playing for for uh, uh, the, the the Lions against South Africa, who is a South African. So, like, how on one part can you say that's perfectly okay, representing Scotland and an even higher level, the British yeah, Isles, the but now you're saying you, you have a problem with Hunko Khamasai coming in and playing? <laughs> and how many how many of these cherry blossoms now are not born in Japan? Oh god! Oh, but everybody, in the World Cup squad that was tall or something, they get applauded every polos? And you can yeah. say say what, say what you want to say about like we have the same rules. I was like, okay, do you think Australia and New Zealand would have any sort of relevance in the rugby world without what they do in the Pacific Islands? I was like, yeah, uh, the one thing that I love oh, that Ed Jones said, right? Only one thing I really like that he said. He said that New Zealand is the best big. academy system in the world. It's called Fiji, Tonga, and Samoa. Yes. <laughs> it's the best line ever. I, yes. And it was spot on because you know it's true. And then I'm like, who who else? Like, what do you want to you want to talk about? Bundy Aki, CJ Stander? Who's the other flanker for Ireland? Uh, I couldn't hear you right now. Please. Please tell me the deep English lineage of the Vunapola brothers and Manatualongi, yeah. who all his brothers <laughs> playing for Samoa. Bundy Aki. Bundy Aki is a Kiwi playing for yeah. a Samoan Kiwi playing for Ireland. I was like, that is the point of the sport. I was like, listen, there's always there will always be a part of me that one day I dream every single player on the US team was born, raised, and coached and taught American rugby and by Americans too. Yeah. Every coach, every single coach is an American, and I think I think that's an awesome thing. But yeah. there's also the flip side. The beauty of the sport is people from all over the place, meeting people from all over the world, playing with them, training with them, traveling with them to other parts of the world. That oh, we went to Australia and we had six Australians. Okay, so we're not clueless. We can actually. I don't have to Google everything. I've got a buddy. Or every time we we go to England, it's like, okay, I don't have to just flip a coin if this food's going to suck. Like, we've got guys that live here. We know where to go. Like, that's – people don't take that. It's an international community now. And obviously, it's people like that who are so small-minded and probably, to be fair, didn't even realize – that there are internationals on his international side that are not born and raised uh, natives. So it just, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's at a surface South level. African that they, redneck they accent. I've never heard anything like it in my life. It's a Texas <laughs> South African accent. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. What? Hanko has like a Texas oh, yeah, yeah. at the back of some of his but That's because so, so I'm South African as well, but my accent is so blended now, right? And that's because I'm, I'm first language English. Then you get first language uh, Afrikaans, which is a Dutch uh, uh, variation. 
and it's very monotone. It's like, hello, my name is Hanko Khermesgeis. Ik woon and play. You know, it's it's monotone. But yeah. sometimes people tell you it sounds French. And I have friends of mine. They're like, why, where do you get that it sounds like that? And Africa. honestly, sometimes I look at it and it's so thin. I'm like waiting for the subtitles to come up. <laughs> but it's 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 interesting to see how how, you know, how how deep the, the roots I mean, are. You this way. I got that picture of Hanko wrestling a steer with his bare hands. That's more American than half those fucking right. keyboard warriors right. fucking group. Oh my no, god. Anyways, I took us off on a completely different tangent, but we need to wrap up this one. Um so ordinarily it would have flowed into the part where we're going to announce the winner of this episode. And then um, we were going to, um, once again, hand it back to you, John, to say what you wanted to say, short and sweet, a shout out to friends or family or whatever you wanted to talk about. Um, but try and keep it nice and short and sweet. Nothing like 10 minutes, okay? <laughs> uh, so um, where, where do we jump in here? Where did I leave off? Well, we left off with the sponsors, so you could just say, you know, and we're back. Okay, if you want to do it that way, or I can just redo that whole last piece, but I can't remember where I left off then. So maybe I should just do it and we're back, right? Just do it that way. I just think, and we're back here. And we should do, and we're back. Who's the winner? John closes it out because you already talked about TRN. You already talked about our social, so you don't have to hit that again. Okay, perfect. Um, All right. And we're back, rugby fans. Of course, this is the Rugby Debate Show. We put ourselves and our guests to the test. And we have debated the hot topic of Wales versus uh, Canada and, of course, England versus the U.S. And we need to crown a winner for this episode. And it's been a pretty tough battle, actually. I mean, everybody here has made some pretty good points. John, first up, uh, spoke a lot about what he didn't like. Um, <laughs> then uh, we had uh, Scott, who, who, who spoke a lot, because that's what he does. Then we have Rob, who patiently waited and gave every stat, including how fast they tally your shoelaces. <laughs> but it is interesting to be able to see the difference in opinions. Um, this is a really tough one. Um, Man, everybody, this is probably one of the hardest ones I've had to be able to decide for a long time. And I'm probably going to say I'll hand it to Mr. Scott Ferrara, only because it's probably closest to some of my opinions, which I believe is right. <laughs> there we go. Uh, John, don't even bother clapping for him. It's not worth it. <laughs> Oh wait! Have you covered the topic Rob's going, you know, deep uh, space on again? We can do that. Well, I think that the relevant points, and 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 I did concede one of the points though, but I believe you know it was a good fight all around. Uh, ultimately, I mean, this was a really interesting debate because we all had valid points to be able to bring forth. But we need to be able to give credit to our guest as well, John Cullen, for joining us here as our guest ranter. And what we like to be able to do, a little bit of tradition here, is give the floor and the mic over to our guest to be able to send a shout-out to friends and family, anything special you wanted to be able to have the fans out there learn about. Here is your opportunity, my friend. So take the floor. Yeah, first and foremost, thank you guys again for having me. I always appreciate it. Um, it's always get good fun to get on here, chat rugby um, with some guys, yeah, who aren't weirdo haters on the internet and actually have genuine opinions with a brain. So thank you guys. I appreciate everything you do. Um, I'll take that as a win, John. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I got I had all episode to think of something poetic to say. I'm gonna send a big shout out to um all the rugby in Iowa and to the Iowa high school selects who went up to the lakefront sevens last week and came home with a championship. I'll give my second shout out to my boys, brothers in arms with the all army team. Um they start up practice in two weeks to take on and get our seventh straight all armed forces championship at beautiful rugby town tournament in Glendale, Colorado here at the end of August. So shout out to the boys. Unfortunately, I will not be out there with them. I, I bow out at tournament MVP and never want to play again. So I can end <laughs> off. The That's how I'm going to end it. You're like Costanza. Uh, Right. So again, yeah, thank you guys very much. It's just awesome. I, I love doing this stuff. So thanks again, guys. Well, it's been a pleasure, man. And I'm sure I speak for the, my co-hosts, Rob and Scott, and saying that you really did uh, hold your own and it was a good debate. And we hope to be able to have you back sometime in the future to be able to tackle them once again. And as you know, fans, once again, it is important to be able to realize what we do is done with the help of some great sponsors. So go and out and check out shopmlr.com for all of your fan gear. Make sure you drink a cup of coffee that can give back to rugby with rugby coffee. You can check them out for all their latest specials with their North American brews. And we want to be able to thank Kenny Brands because after the excitement of rugby, you need to be able to chill out and you can do that with all of their products. So, and of course, in between, if that doesn't work, there's plenty of beer from tight head brewing so make sure that you go and you check all of that out my name is ty braga it has been a stellar time with the rest of the gang here but of course i need to remind you joining me is rob hammerschmidt scott ferrara and again john cullen stick around if you want to be able to learn more about the nola versus la game coming up in just a moment once again, rugby fans, we're here to be able to talk about the game of the week for Major League Rugby. And one of those is certainly always going to include the highest caliber teams, those at the top. And it is NOLA versus LA, or I should say it the other way around because it was at the Coliseum. It should be LA versus NOLA. Uh, that was <laughs> promised to be an interesting game, but I think that it was more interesting than most people expected, right? With a scoreline as as uh, as close as 21 to 20, uh, considered to be one of the games of the season, uh, certainly one of the upsets uh, of, of the, uh, the season so far. We're going to dive deep into it as we look into uh, the inner workings of this matchup. Who better than, of course, Mr. Nola Gold on the show here, Rob Hammerschmidt, to be able to start us off. Start off with him. Thank you, Ty. So, number one, I, I, I really appreciate and thought that Nola's defense uh, really them carried throughout the game. Um, they had the bend but don't break mentality. You know, they really maintained their shape really well, which you have to do against a team like L.A., and I think Rooney showed that. Uh, ATL showed that earlier. So they kind of paved the way for Nola in terms of what their game plan going to be. They didn't overcommit to the rush defense. I think we've seen that LA will burn you when you take that opportunity, you know, either through a chip and chase, which they almost scored one like that. Um, a little wiper kick out on the wing. It just went out of bounds. So, um, you know, they really played a, a very good defensive structure. Um, I thought their their ruck support was much better offensively than it has been in previous weeks. 
um, that you know they go into a contact and and in some in some cases in past weeks uh, there wasn't a second guy or a third guy to ruck over. They had that almost continuously throughout this game. I think that made a real difference for them. Um, great kick chase pressure. Right. I think that was very good. They kicked it up there and then they really put uh, the uh, L.A. on the back foot on defense and forced L.A. to play out of their um, end zone. And we talked about how Rooney and ATL both did that in their games. Right. Um, they fixed their line out issues in the second half. This is normally a strength, but with the absence of Dolan to international duty, of course, they really had to find a way to work through that. And they did that. So I think those were all things that were important. Were important. I just want to mention, I, I corresponded with uh, GM Ryan Fitzgerald, who was on the sideline throughout the game, screaming his head off. You know, he said the key for them, and he mentioned to me a couple of weeks ago when I spoke with him, is the next man up mentality. And I really think this game in particular demonstrated that with nine guys in international duty and Devin Short on suspension. They needed guys to step in. Uh, Giovanni Lapp played open side flanker, hasn't gotten a minute with the team at all this year, he steps in and he plays pretty admirably. Uh, Kane, Kane Thompson as a player coach comes off. He started to get some minutes in the last couple of games. Um, and then, uh, you know, the try by Hanno Dirksen that, that, Hey, refused to die mentality that Nate uh, Osborne talked about when I spoke with him, just had an unbelievable effort from number one to number 23, got him through it. They had a game plan. They stuck through it. Everybody was committed to it. Uh, regardless of who they were. So um, it was really good to see out of my boys. Yeah. And, you know, I like that you said that it's like the next man up mentality. Um, you know, you always want to be uh, doing the jersey proud, right? You know, wear your number, wear that jersey well. You fill it and do the best job you can. But, of course, you've got guys at international service, uh, guys like Cam Dolan, who ordinarily would have been starting, you know, as far as, galvanizing the team dolan's usually at the core of that too but it's nice to see when those guys those key players and of course uh, guerra of course is away though too and you know you got a host of guys but you know without these 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 key players there's still something of substance there's still that opportunity there's still that dig there's still that strive and against a team like la who admittedly I was one of them that actually bet against Nola just going by the record of, of LA um, at home, which has been traditionally pretty good. And I, I won't lie. I, I, I bet against them in the Subaru and I, I lost again, <laughs> um, but you know, LA of course had some people missing too, you know, Luke Cardi, of course, doing his service and Ryan James, even though he didn't get a game, but you know, for the most part, they were, the, they were the winning most of those games. So uh, and, and playing the same same at the same pace they were before, uh, but one of the things I did notice is that the Giltinis had a far more handling errors than what was normally uh, um, in, in their in their character. Um, and on the other hand, I saw far less from Nola at critical moments, um, and that would perhaps was was the real difference. And we've spoken about this. I know Scott felt felt the same way that. When they got into that last 22, especially that last 10, into that red zone, it was almost just not connecting in the same way. Everything was good up in that all that, that 90 meters, and then that last 10, it just kind of crumbled in the in discipline and defense and at the breakdown, not getting to it right, and covering that ball as they should. But and they this was different this time. And they scored that last one a man down. Right, and that's a hundred percent true, man. Uh, to be able to to have the guts uh, and the continuity and the strength to be able to push through and just consolidate and and do what you know you need to do, 
you know, I, I, I can't help but look back and think how far Nola could have been ahead if this had just happened earlier. But well, Scott, that, what that do you goes think? See, that goes into my point, and I, if you look at this match, uh, this loss for L.A. versus the other losses, uh, the losses to New York and, and Atlanta, both of those matches, they didn't start out great, right? This is right. the first match that you saw L.A. have a tale of two halves, and you have not seen that from them before. And what that tells me is they're starting to get tired late in the season. Um, mm. I think, and the handling errors show that. And they even said, uh, Dave Dennis uh, was interviewed, and I believe, I believe it was Dave Dennis was saying, you know, the guys fell apart in the last ten minutes. And I, I haven't heard anybody from the Guiltini camp say that about any match, even the losses against Nola in New York. And let's be honest, the losses against Nola in New York were close. You know, they weren't, they weren't blowouts, but they were up until the end. You know, they, they were still, it was still kind of either or. Nola dominated the last 10 minutes, completely dominated them physically the last 10 minutes and broke their spirit. So this, I, I feel this is very significant in that effect going forward to say, man, what, what's, what's going on with LA? Was it, you know, you can't say it's travel. They were at home, you know? So what is it just there? It's the dog days of the season for them. Uh, you know, they, 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 I think they just, you know, they finally broke down. Well, a lot of people was, are saying online that they started some of the the key positions with not their first pick, you know. And obviously, though, when they started finding, feeling the pressure from Nola, quickly you see Goddard and the rest of the gang suddenly making their way onto the field, right? As those traditional starters. Um, but was it too little, too late? You know, it had the the mindset changed, the momentum certainly did. I mean, you have Christian Rodriguez, who was the man of the match the week before, so obviously his form. Right playing well was the week before. So I don't think, you know, it's beyond the realm of possibility to say, Hey, you got Nola coming in. You, uh, they're down a bunch of guys. We can start Christian Rodriguez, get him meaningful minutes and still win the game. So, I mean, I don't think it was more of personnel selection for LA as just for, for whatever reason, they, like I said, they just, they finally got broken in a match. Right. And, you know, surprising because at halftime, the scoreline was 14-3, of course, in favor of LA. So you would feel comfortable. You'd feel optimistic going into the locker room in that position. Also considering that, uh, that I believe Nola probably would have been feeling a little bit down having missed two penalties that could have put them closer, uh, you know, and closed that gap a little bit more with, with what might be considered to some as a more easier opportunity for a player of that caliber with Colin Meyer, uh, of course, eventually uh, getting, uh, I think it was three penalties, Rob. Was that right? Correct. Yes, three. So, yeah, I mean, the game could have been closer by halftime, but it really was Nola's uh, second half that that shone. Yeah, and I can just say, speaking to those penalties, think about this. In past games, what would you have seen Nola do in those situations? You would have seen them go for the corner, right. try to maul it in, right? right? And instead, in those three situations, they sat back, they went for the points, they chipped away, they turned over the scoreboard, got themselves into the game, and that kind of really allows them to set the stage for them to build momentum in the second half and and uh, really get themselves into a position to win the game. There are two questions that I had. Has, has some of what Scott talking about, in terms of them falling off here, is that due to the news that Darren Coleman will be moving to the Waratahs and perhaps the team is thinking a little bit about next season? I know the pros, but it's kind of hard not to think about that when you're, you know, when your your coach has already made the announcement. Um, and, um, you know, um, 
did and going back to the mistakes, the other question I had, you know, do we notice the mistakes more just because it was such a tight match? I mean, they've made mistakes, knock knock balls on, but they've been so far ahead in many cases that it hasn't played a major role in the game. I think that's a fair point though, too. Now those like you said, you know, maybe we didn't notice it because you were, you know, 30 points uh, ahead. So it didn't seem as important, but now in a game so tight, it was obviously much, much more important. Um, you know, and, and but it, it was interesting to be able to see the difference. And this goes back to what uh, sorry Scott had said. In all the other games that they had lost against Rugby ATL and of course Rooney, they were tight finishes. I mean, I think it was two points for uh, 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 the difference between Rooney. But in those games, there was still the scoreline was still tight all the way through. Right? They still took a commanding lead early on in this matchup. Right? Which was unlike the other previous losses and. And maybe I, I I feel like I'm leading towards agreeing with with uh, um, the thought that maybe they just took their foot off the gas and they, maybe they were just running short on legs um, at least by by by, by them for sure. And maybe and maybe the question is those last two penalties that Gato took and and uh, uh, who was it? Uh, I forgot who it was. The winner inside center. Yeah, um, and you know maybe they maybe they should have kicked for for corner instead instead of taking those points. You know, um, I mean, knowing what we know now, it's easy to armchair quarterback those decisions to not right. to say not kick those penalties. But it was that them taking their foot off the gas on the aggressiveness because they they you know thought okay we can outpace them, and then all of a sudden they have those handling errors, and now they're giving the ball back to Nola, and now Nola's giving giving them pressure. So I don't know. And- And I don't think they could have done that. I mean, they were only, they were down by two, 14, 16, uh, when they kicked the first penalty of 59, 59, that put them up by one. And then they kicked this, they're only up by one. So what do you do when they have the opportunity? You put the points on, right? And, And that puts you up by four, which means that your opponent has to score a try. And, and, you know, they just, uh, Pre- I think they uh, made the right on. decision considering the kind of respect that they gave to Nola in that position than in other matches they didn't do. It was uncharacteristic. And I almost wondered, did, was were they playing Nola's game mm-hmm. and they somehow lost their own game plan? I, I don't know where that moment was. I don't know if that's true. But it felt like they suddenly realized the momentum had shifted mm-hmm. and the decisions they normally would have made with the guts and confidence that they have had through all season to go for the maximum points, they chose rather to play it safe at three, which at the end of the day put them one uh, point short, but it still was the right decision, I think. And here's the thing, though. I think we've seen in the MLR that most teams are not taking those points, though. So it just seems funny to me that throughout this 2021 season, I have felt, and you know, we, maybe we can go back and, and have our boy James Dealey figure it out, the percentage of time people took the points versus kicking and trying to get that rolling mall going. Right. Um, and I feel it's been an MLR staple to kick to the to touch and try and go for those five points. Um, so I just found the conservatism a little bit odd this match, you know? Well, where uh, LA stands is still on top of the log. And uh, looking at the overall stats uh, in their conference, of course, they stand at the top. And the same would be the case for their overall standings at number one with 56 points in their favor. Next up is Rugby ATL, of course, a different conference. Uh, they're at 51. Utah stands at 51, which sits inside their own conference. So they they are still in a relatively safe 
position, uh, given that they are five points adrift from their nearest competition with the Utah Warriors. Um, although the most you know surprising is uh, the Eastern Conference, right? Uh, sorry, um, um, well, with Nola Gold rising, rising. To, uh, to where are they? Let me just check my stats again. They are in second now. But they share that 46 points with Rooney and on points difference alone make it into the second spot. So it puts them in a much more interesting position, uh, having gotten this uh, unexpected win, so to speak. So as we look forward to the coming weeks, what are your thoughts, gentlemen, for both LA and NOLA? Well, for uh, on, on the LA side, they have games against AGs in Utah. Utah you know, the two teams that are, you know, breathing down their neck. So it certainly should be an interesting finish in the West. And I think what's even more interesting is the East because you have, um, you have a, a final game, uh, Scott versus the hammer, uh, the big yeah. guy versus the hammer. I know it's the right? last game. It's just so fitting if it actually ends up being the decider. Right. Right. And, <laughs> and it very well may be because if you look at what Rooney has, Rooney plays Houston. Right. One would think they would be able to put up, um, you know, a, a win with a bonus point against Houston. Um, you know, Nola you has for Nola, right? right? You know, who you know, you can't you can't um, you know sell them short. It's going to be a tough battle to go out west. It's going to be tough to play in in uh, in Seattle. But um, you think they should be able to win that match? If they play like they did this weekend. But what's even more interesting is Rooney beat Atlanta twice, right? So they have an advantage there. Um, of course, Atlanta beat Nola twice. They have an advantage there. Nola's got one up on Rooney. Mm-hmm. If in that final battle, yeah. you know, Nola wins, it's you know, they've all beaten each other twice. And, it, and, yeah. and it could really set up an interesting um uh finale. It's, it's, yeah, yeah it's, if you rewind 10 weeks, 12 weeks, right, to some of the earlier parts of, of the season, who would have thought that that conference might have been the most exciting, right? And well, I think Ralph definitely thought that. I got to be honest. I, think, well, I mean, well, well, actually, sorry, sorry. I was thinking the other way around. You are right. I'm going to correct myself. That was always going to be the most exciting because that was the closest, and it has changed hands in that second spot very often. Um, but yeah, what an interesting. I mean, the last two weeks is going to be a lot of interesting factors. I like the way that Rob helped you know el- illuminate that. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. Uh, Giltinis are in no matter what, so they're in the driver's seat. I think it's you need to, if you're the Giltinis, you want to make a statement game over the next two weeks because whoever's there is going to be your second team, right? The team you're going to play in the semifinals. So if it's Utah or AGs, I want to beat them by 50 points. I want to pour it on them as much as I can um, and kind of demoralize them going into the, no, go demoralize them going into the semifinal, knowing that now they have three different uh, plans of attack, uh, seeing our losses on what they could, what could happen in the semifinal. Um, and then for, for Nola is the same thing as Rooney. This is, it's pretty simple. They both need to handle their business. If they, whoever wins out is number two in the conference. That's it. It's that simple. True. All right. I mean, it's going to be an exciting finish. This season has been very exciting. A lot of changes. I mean, with LA, we, we what I was trying to get to my point before is LA earlier, you know, 10 weeks ago, 12 weeks ago, we thought was the unstoppable machine until that first loss against Rooney. And it had looked with, the, you know, the gap that they had between first and second in the conference, it looked like it was an insurmountable uh, a mountain to be able to climb. But now sitting at five points uh, left and having lost 
all their games in the second half of the season, you kind of wonder, uh, are they, yes, they're probably done enough to be able to get them through, but they're not, no longer what we thought was going to be an easy answer for a pathway to the final. But that is uh, yet to be seen and yet to be decided. And we will continue to be able to follow it here on the Rugby Rant podcast show as we do each and every week. We review another game of the week that we have chosen with your help as fans. And you can continue to help us by letting us know on social media which game you want us to review, what your thoughts are about what we've reviewed, and what your predictions may be for the final outcomes this season by following us under the handle at rugby rant pod on all social media platforms including facebook twitter instagram and more recently tiktok so gentlemen final thoughts uh i'm going to ask you here who's going to win it all silence is the answer (laughs) (laughs) too difficult to answer still right (laughs) and and maybe that's maybe that's the the greatest thing about this finale, we knew it would be, we knew the matchups were there in the end, um, but things, things have changed so rapidly over the last couple of weeks that it, it makes you, who knows, will, will this win by Nola really carry them over the next two weeks? Will Rooney refine their pace that they had several weeks ago and really play the way that they're capable of playing? You know, um, who knows, but that's the beauty of, of the MLR is just that on any given week, one team can win that you don't expect. And it's made it exciting as a new fan, certainly, uh, to see it unpredictable. And, of course, as those experienced fans to be able to be entertained week after week with an exciting brand of rugby uh, that promises to grow, as I'm sure it uh, will be evident by the end of the season, how much they have succeeded in. I mean, remember at the beginning of the season, we we all thought that it would just be nice to be able to finish the season as our measure of success. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> but, uh, it's exciting to be able to see uh, i think overall uh, everybody should be pleased well gentlemen again it has been another great episode we want to be able to thank you as our viewers of the rugby rant and again a quick reminder if you like what we do make sure you like share subscribe follow do all the things you can do online to be able to help us share this content and be able to help grow rugby one fan at a time is our slogan here our motto and our mission on behalf of the team rob hammerschmidt scott ferrar and myself ty braga we thank you for watching another great episode of the rugby rant and we will see See you at the next. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. 
And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.